guys have your Bibles, flip over to Psalm 32 this morning. As you're uh, turning there, I just kind of want to remind you what we've been going through over the last few weeks. We've been going over what we, are, what we call the essential doctrines of Christianity. These are like the non-negotiables of Christianity. And uh, we've talked about Scripture and its authority. We've talked about who God is and who man is in respect to who God is. And so we ended last week with the question, now what? Now what? Now we've got all this information. Now what do we do with it? And so... This morning, I'm going to try to address that um, in 40 minutes or less. Uh, it's probably not going to happen, so get comfortable and just enjoy it. I hope you brought an apple, and uh, if you didn't, then maybe you can take a bite of the person's apple beside you. Um, get used to the comfort thing with each other. But, you know, when it comes to Christianity, I don't know that any subject has gotten more attention than salvation. There's more debate about salvation, conversion, new birth, justification than there is pretty much any other issue in Scripture. And there's a lot of ideas out there about it, a lot of ideas. And while I wish I could answer all of those questions, there's no way possible I can do that. So I'll, I'll pick a few things that I wanted to point out this morning, and I'm going to share them with you right up front. And listen... As I'm going through this message, I don't really care if you learn a new theology word. You understand that, right? I want you to get the idea behind the word. And so I want to talk to you this morning about justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, that makes you sound really smart, and I'm not that smart, so you're just going to have to forgive me this morning. But if you throw an Asian onto anything or an ology onto the end of a word, it makes you sound smarter than you are. That's free. It's not even in my notes. So just remember, if you're ever in a conversation with a pastor or someone that's really, you know, well-learned theologically, just throw an ology on the end of a word, an Asian, and you're going to sound like you know what you're talking about. It's really, really simple. So really, the Bible talks about salvation in three ways, and this is where all of the bait swirls. It talks about the fact that you have been saved, and then it talks about the fact that you are being saved, and then it talks about the fact that you will be saved. And man, that causes all sorts of confusion because in your mind you're thinking, well, I thought I was saved. What do you mean I'm being saved? And well, if I'm being saved, what does that mean that I will be saved? I mean, am I not saved? Right? And it gets really, really confusing for us. And so I hope to be able to clear some of that up with you guys. But can I just be honest with you as a pastor? Is that okay? Like, this torments my soul. Like, I'm just, this, this is just me being for real. Like, there's nothing harder when someone sits in your office and they're questioning their salvation. It's like the hardest thing about being a pastor. And this is why it's hard for me, and I, I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of the other pastors, is because you want people to have assurance. Like, I really want people to have the assurance that they're saved, but I don't want them to have this false assurance if they're not saved. Right? And so there's this tension inside of me, like, like, you know, like how do you answer that question? I think we have to go to Scripture and let Scripture answer that question for us because if I answer it based on my opinion, everybody's saved. But the reality is, is not everybody sitting in this room today is saved. That's just the reality of it. And hopefully by the end of this message, God moves on your heart and you decide that God is for you and he's not against you. Hopefully by the end of the message. But... So this area really causes me a lot of trouble. And so justification 
if you want to think of it in a certain way, it's, it's what God has done. It's what God has done. It's past tense. Sanctification is what God is doing. And glorification is what God will end up doing at some point in the history of the world. And so that's, that's a pretty safe way to think about those three subjects. But the thing about it is, this morning is the only way to really understand the magnitude of each one of those is to talk about them. And so let's just dive in. Is that okay with you? Can we just dive right into justification and see what Scripture says about it? And uh, I think you're going to leave encouraged, and some of you may leave Struggling a little bit, and I'm thankful either way. So Psalm 32, 2. Let's read it together. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And then flip over to 2 Corinthians 5, 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. It says this. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. One of the things that makes Christianity distinct among all the other religions of the world is how we are actually justified. The means in which we're justified. Every other religion in the world says you have to compensate for your bad you got to make up for it by doing just the right amount of good things. Well, do you realize that one bad thing, one bad thing, one sin, one fault on your own, you could live the rest of your life perfect and you're still not going to compensate for the one. One sin ruins it all. And the good news is, is you were born that way. It's great news, right? Yay. So you're, you're kind of born already broken. You're born already messed up. And you can spend the rest of your life trying to fix all of the iniquities, all of the deceit, all of the brokenness, and all of the sin. And you can try to compensate. And what you're going to end up with is a really frustrated heart. Because you know in your heart it's not enough. And so you're constantly striving to do more and do more just to get it right so that God would be pleased with you all the while knowing that it's not going to work. And so justification, in the terms that Christian use it, is really really a simple concept. It's either you trust. you got two options, people. This is really very simple. You can either try all the other religions, and you can trust your own good deeds to be enough, or you can take the Christian approach and trust that Jesus' deeds were truly enough. That's really it. You can either trust in yourself or you can trust in Jesus. That's it. Justification is really pretty simple. It's trusting that what Jesus accomplished, Jesus living a perfect, sinless life, truly met the demands of God. That's really, it's that simple. It's not a complicated subject. Justification, however, has become so, so complicated for us. Because really, justification is, it's God declaring you right. That's all it is. It's God deciding that he's going to declare you right. And so it's been described a lot of different ways. It's, it's been described as God giving you a clean slate. And while I think that's possibly true, kind of like this whiteboard, right? Like, so this whiteboard is all clean, like God's justified. Just now you're all clean. But the reality is, is our experience is quite different than that. Now, I'll never say that we should 
lower our theology to our experience. Instead, I think theology should raise the expectations of our experience. And so really, if you've got good theology and good doctrine, it should elevate your experience. Not the other way around, but so often I think what we're doing is we, we begin to define justification by our experience and our struggle, which is a whole other issue that I'm going to deal with. And so while being a clean slate, so to speak, is true, I think it leaves a lot out there unexplained and not really understood. And I want you to walk away today knowing that justification is so much more, so much more than just a clean slate. So much more. Think of it this way. Think of it as a judge. You're standing before a judge, and there the judge is. You got DNA evidence, fingerprint evidence, witnesses galore. It's on video. There is no disputing you're guilty. And the judge knows this. And the judge says, okay, I'm fully aware. And the judge decides to just say, you know what? You don't have to go to prison. That's clean slate. Go out and start over. And that's awesome, but that's not all of it. In fact, that's not even a part of it. I mean, no doubt you're guilty. See, here's, let me, let me help you understand this a little better. I think sometimes you just got to illustrate things, you know. I don't know if y'all got bad vision, you're not able to see this, but here, let me scoot this forward. Because I know some of y'all, y'all can't see. I want to make sure you get this. Okay, so, so we got anger and gluttony, lust, malice, idolatry, pride, hate, unforgiveness, addiction, cynicism. We don't talk about that much. Sloth, I mean, truthfully, I need a bigger whiteboard if I were to try to write down the sins that are just represented in this building. Right, so, so this, is, this is what the judge is looking at. You're guilty, right? And, and so a clean slate would be the judge just kind of washing it off, right? Cleaning it up. That'd be, that'd be a clean slate, right? But see, that's not what justification means in whole. That's just part of what justification means. See, this is what justification actually means. Justification actually means what God says. He goes, I'm fully aware of every sin that you have committed and that you will commit. Every one of them. And because of what Jesus has done on your behalf, I have chosen to accept you in your sinful condition. See, justification isn't the process of being made holy. It's God making the decision to accept you just the way you are. It's about acceptance. And see, we, what we do is we go, well, God, if I stop being cynical about things, you'll accept me, right? No. No. That's the world's way. God's way is Jesus has made you acceptable. So justification is, yes, you got a clean slate, but your clean slate is based on God's acceptance, not based on all of your sin just vanishing. God is fully aware of every sin you've ever committed. And he chooses to accept you anyway. That's crazy. 
That's justification. Being declared right and acceptable in God's sight simply because God has decided to accept you. That's crazy. And it's so counterintuitive to everything that's inside of me. We don't live our lives that way. We don't treat each other that way. I mean, if you treat me right, I'll treat you right. God says, no, you treated me wrong. I'm still going to treat you right. That's holiness. That's righteousness. And you've been declared righteous simply because Jesus Christ was righteous. And what you deserve for what's written on your whiteboard, Jesus took. That's justification. It's not that complicated. Justification is not you being made righteous. It's you being accepted as righteous. Think about it. If, if Jesus is your Savior, you're accepted. There's no loopholes, no caveats, no catches, no fine print anywhere. Plain and simple. You are accepted. You don't have to get it right in order for God to accept you. You getting it right is relying on your works. Knowing that Jesus got it right is relying on Jesus. So many of us struggle with this area. So what is justification? How do I know if I'm justified? Well, it's really simple. There's a proven shift in your desires. There should be a proven shift in what you desire. There should be a change in what you, at, at, at a minimum, there should be a struggle toward godly works. If you have no struggle, then perhaps you're not justified. Perhaps you're not saved. See, here's the issue for most of us is our experiences is this, is that our actions don't represent the declaration that God has made. That's just the truth, right? You're like, I gave my life to Jesus, I'm saved, but I keep on living the same sinful life. Anybody live there? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I live there too. Most of us live there. And I think the reason we live there is because it's easier to return to the familiar than it is the new. See, Scripture says that when God justifies you, he makes you new. Right? He gives you a new heart, new desires. But man, that old self is still around, isn't it? I'm getting tired of the old self, if I'm honest with you. The battle gets exhausting. And when you get tired, the familiar becomes a recliner in your living room where you can just sit and get comfy. It's dangerous when we tolerate our sin. Especially when God has justified us. See, a lot of us feel that conflict. Some of you, when I said that, I saw your faces. You're like, yep, I know what you're talking about. You feel the conflict. And the good news is if you feel the conflict, you should actually be thankful for the conflict. You should be, thank you, God, that I feel the tension. If you don't feel the tension, we need to talk. The tension is actually a God-given gift to you. It's the thing that keeps you going, Oh, I know I shouldn't be doing this right now. 
It's the thing that makes you feel guilty after you commit a sin. See, we don't want to talk about guilt in the church much because guilt has become a dirty word. But the reality is, is thank God that he pours out guilt. Because I need to feel guilty for my sins. And so do you. Because guess what? You are guilty for your sins. You just don't have to pay the punishment for your guilt. Because you've been accepted. Y'all should be getting way more excited than you are. <laughs> a proven shift in your desire means you feel the conflict between sin and holiness. It's the fight. It's the conflict of your natures. The old and the new. So I want to talk to you now a little bit about what do we do? God has declared us acceptable. I know that God loves me. I know that I'm acceptable based on what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Now what, Keith? Now, now what do I do with this struggle, with this fight that I'm constantly seem to be in? Now what do I do? And this is where we get into sanctification. See, God has saved you. You're eternally good. You're, you're set. Sanctific or justification is a one-time event with no need of occurring again. You understand that? It's not like you get justified over and over and over. God declares you acceptable, and that's it. It's a one-time thing. But sanctification is a process. It's an ongoing, aggravating process. It is. Don't get me wrong. Like, I wish God just, boop, and fixed it. But he didn't. So sanctification is the process of being made into what God declared you to be. Now, that's hard. Trust me. I know. Sanctification often gets confused with justification and the two begin to blur and they're so different. Now listen, I don't want you to sit here and think, God has promised to sanctify you. He said it in his word. Now I don't want you to walk away with anything in your doubting that God's going to purify you. But you can't be a stubborn mule. You can't. Some of us are stubborn mules. It's not good when your wife amens that you're a stubborn mule, just so y'all know. But it's true, right? I want to give you some tools. I want to help you this morning with sanctification. I want to, I want to clear it up a little bit for you, and hopefully you'll leave a little more encouraged and less stubborn. See, God is working to get sin out of you. That's what he's doing. He's working to get sin out of you. That's what sanctification is. It's God's working for you to desire him more than you do other things. That's what sanctification is all about. So it's God working for you, not for his benefit, but for your benefit. And until you get that sanctification is for your benefit, you're going to continue to fight it. You're going to continue to struggle with it, not cooperate with what God is trying to do in your life. Because it doesn't feel good. We're all about feeling good. But there's the conflict, isn't it? The new nature fighting the old nature. The old man fighting the new man. Let's look at Romans 6. I think this will help us out. Romans 6 is so good. This is so good right here, guys. Y'all are going to love this. Super simple. Romans 
chapter 6. Let's begin with verse 6. We know that our old self, everybody say old self. Now that ain't talking about your age. Was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I want to skip down to verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. And then I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to mess with Billy back there. It's not up there. I just want to read it to you. But I wanted to read it to you so that you'd listen to the words. Just let your ears open for a minute. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now see, when you read that, there's a couple things you ought to pick up on. First, I want to point out in verse 6, it says that sin is powerless. You are no longer enslaved to it. That means sin can't overpower you. Now, this isn't real popular because I'm not going to earn any friends right here. If you're a Christian and you've been justified and you continue to sin, it's because you're choosing to sin. Plain and simple. It's not because you have no choice. Not according to that. It's because you are deciding to sin. Sin is powerless for those who have been justified. Powerless. It cannot command you any longer. It's powerless. Verse 11. Consider. I like that word. That means you got to think about it like it's a fact. Like you got to believe it. Like it's got to get deep inside of you. So when you're struggling right there with the old man and the new man, you go, you know what? You don't control me anymore. I don't have to do this right now. You can actually decide. Believe it or not, you can decide whether to sin or not if you've been justified. Verse 13, 12 and 13. Let not, do not. You can actually let something happen in your life when it, in regards to sin. And this is how you do it. It's all about what you present, to your, present yourself to. Did you catch that in 12 and 13? Let me read it to you again. Do not present your members to sin. Instead, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So present yourself to God if you've been justified, if you've been brought from death to life, justified. It's all about what you're presenting yourself to. It's true. It's really that simple. See, to present something means you, you, you stand in front of and you say, here I am, now what? And if you choose to present yourself to sin, guess what's going to happen? You're going to sin. But if you present yourself to God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to present yourself to righteousness. It's right here in Romans. 
It's so simple. The fight between our natures is all about what we present ourselves to. Now, see, here's the thing. I want you to catch this. See, typically this is how this works out. You present yourself to sin and you choose to sin. You do something bad and you know it's bad and you're sinful. And then you're like, God, I'm so sorry. I messed up again. And then so over and over this process repeats itself, right? And then eventually you just realize you've messed up so much with the same sin that you don't even want to talk to God about it anymore. You're like, God, you got to get tired of hearing from me. I did it again, God. And then what happens is you're like, okay, so I did something bad, so I'll give more in the tithes. I'll pay more at church, and God will be happy. He'll be happy with it. And, God, and the guilt doesn't go away, does it? And then you're like, well, I'll be nice to my wife. I'll take my wife out to a really fancy dinner, and I'll love my wife the way Christ loves the church, and the guilt's still present. And the reason the guilt's still present is because you're going back to trying to fix this, compensate for your sin with something good. You can't balance the scales. And see, here's what Satan wants to do. Satan wants you to keep trying to balance those scales. He wants you to play the weight game. But what God's trying to get you to understand is, yeah, you messed up again. I'm in the process of making you holy. Do you not remember that I declared you acceptable and I knew that this sin was going to happen when I made that declaration? See, Satan wants to keep you from going back to God. And God's trying to get you to come to him so that you present yourself to the right thing. It's all about who you're presenting yourself to. See, here's the thing. The reason you're in so much conflict is because when God justified you and accepted you, it became unnatural for you to sin. It's unnatural. It's not who you are. See, we tend to think I've been saved and now I'm just going to automatically do what God wants. I'm a robot now. I'm a robot for righteousness. <laughs> and that's not how it works. It's not automatic, but it is natural. And so you get in this fight with yourself and this internal conflict. There comes a point in time when you got to realize, you got to realize that God's way truly is the better way. Think of it this way. Imagine that you own 50 acres of property. And on one end of the properties, there's this old, broken, dilapidated, this house is nasty, it's got roaches. I mean, the toilets don't flush. It's nasty. It's an eyesore. Like you don't even want to be near it. This old house is on that corner of the property. But then over here, man, there's this beautiful, elegant, lavish mansion. See, what we tend to think God does is he comes in and just wipes out that old house before he ever starts building the new house. But you don't have to tear down the old house to start building the new house. God is building a new house. He's making you new. You are being made new. He ain't got to wipe everything out to make something new. Maybe what he wants you to do is desire the new more than you do the old, devastatingly disastrous, nasty thing that you're comfortable with. 
The frequency of our life needs to change. See, your natural reflex should be to obey God. If you've been justified, your natural tendency, you should be turning toward God. And see, this is what I think a lot of us do. We turn toward God. We, like, we get saved and we're like, God, I want so much of you. And you look at it and then you go, oh, that looks so nice. And see, I did that in silence for a reason because we do that. Your sanctification is contingent on your ability to remain in community. You cannot be sanctified in silence. We need each other for that. That's what speaking the truth in love is all about. See, the frequency, the tone, the pitch of our life needs to change. I want to read you something out of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 3. If y'all haven't read 1 John, it's a great book to help you understand sanctification, justification, glorification. It's a great book. Go read it. And by this we know that we have come to know him. Probably should pay attention. Right? This is how we are to know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments. See, keeping his commandments is directly tied to our knowing of him. You can't separate the two. We have to know him in order to keep them. It should be our reflex to obey. And I wanted to illustrate this to you guys, and I, I think this is really cool. Some of y'all may have seen these videos in the past, but um, have you seen, look, just, just play the video, Billy. It'll speak for itself. I think that's the coolest thing ever. It's so cool. 
And the cool thing about it is, is it really helps us understand sanctification. I think it does anyway. And so think about it this way. Think about the fact that the tone is the justification. You've been justified, and it sets your course, your life, the pattern of your life is changing. Think about it for a minute. The pattern of your life is changing. See, when you're saved, the way you live should be changing. Because the frequency of your life, the tone of your life, should be in harmony with the tone of your justification. Not the other way around. I see y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. But let me remind you of something that Paul said. Romans 12, 2. Remember, do not be conformed to this world or the patterns of this world. See, the pattern of your life, the sanctification, the process of being made righteous is all about what frequency you're allowing your life to come in alignment with. You cannot, you cannot expect to be righteous and living in the world. You can't. The pattern of your life must change because the frequency of your life has changed. And until there's harmony with the pattern and the frequency, you're going to be in constant turmoil and conflict. See, the issue isn't that we need more of the Spirit to be sanctified. The issue with sanctification is the Spirit needs more of us. That's the issue. See, a lot of times what's happening is, oh God, if you would just help me, help me, Jesus, I can't do it anymore. Why am I still struggling? It's been years. And God's sitting back going, because you chose to. See, we think we need more of God in order to break the chains of sin, but the reality is God already broke the chains of sin and he wants more of you. That's sanctification. Sanctification is the process of God getting more of you, not you getting more of God. Temptation is going to come, people. Sanctification does not mean temptation is absent. Quite the contrary. It will be a part of our life as long as we live. Did you know that God is faithful right in the middle of your temptation? Did you know that? To what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You got that one, Billy? Billy doesn't have that one. There it is. That's 13, 10. It's not the right one. It's okay, Billy. It's my fault. I sent you the wrong one. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that God provides a way out every single time, that he is faithful and that he provides a way out of temptation every single time. So the next time you're struggling, look at the two doors and decide which one you will present yourself to. But know this, when you turn that knob, there's a cost. There is a cost. And you're either going to leave and go into a room where you feel guilt or you're going to go into a room where you feel freedom. But you choose which knob to turn. All you got to do is cooperate, people. That's, all you, that's really all you got to do. 
See, the thing is, is you're a new creation. Now it's time to start living like the new creation that you are. That's sanctification. It's all about God becoming your everything. I understand it gets tiring. I get it's exhausting. I understand. Listen, I struggle too, man. I ain't up here acting like I'm sanctified. I am jacked up just like you are. I might be more jacked up than some of you. But this is a war. Like, you got to understand, this is a war. And this war matters. So get in the fight. Like, fight for holiness. Contend for righteousness. Don't accept that you're just sinful and you're going to be that way forever. The chains are broken. Now it's time to learn to walk unshackled. That's what sanctification is about. But the good news, here's the good news. I'm almost done. This is the, this is the best news ever. Do you realize God isn't done being God yet? He ain't done. He started. And he's still working. But he ain't done. And that's what gets us to our next subject. So God has declared us acceptable. He has saved us. He's in the process of making us right and holy. But do you realize this is, listen, this is what glorification means. Glorification really simply means that the sin is now absent from creation. Sin's still present, people. And if sin's still present, that means God hasn't finished being God yet. And when God comes back, he's going to finish what he started. And when he finishes what he started, then the presence of sin will be obliterated in the presence of God. Because sin and God don't coexist. Glorification's coming. Now let me help you out. I don't want to get all like weird you out or anything, but when you die and your soul goes to be with God, your soul will be sinless. When he comes back, your flesh will be sinless. He's going to obliterate all sin. It's going to be gone forever. The struggle has a time stamp. So not only is God the initiator, God's the finisher. And God's just trying to get you to understand in the middle that he really is worth more than all of it. First Corinthians 13.10. You got that one, Billy. I didn't mess that up. I told you I'm messed up too. I want y'all to read this with me. So that means you got to read out loud, okay? Read with me. But when the perfect comes... The partial will pass away. You ain't perfect yet. I know some of y'all think you are. That's right there. I know some of you think you got it all together. But you're not perfect yet. You're still impartial. And it's frustrating not being complete. But know that completion's coming. Let me read you something out of the book of Revelation. You know what the cool thing 
If you go read Romans 8, one of the cool things is, is it says that creation itself is actually longing. It's groaning, right? It's groaning for the day of redemption. Right? Creation. Now, in case you didn't know, you're a part of that. We tend to think creation means just the globe and the clouds and the sky and the moon and the stars, but you are also groaning. And you're groaning because of the battle. You're groaning because you're not complete yet. You're longing for the day of completion. Like God knows this. And he's got a day. I wish I knew what it was. But then I'd write a book, try to get wealthy off of it because I'm an idiot. The day is coming when the longing will be over. When our groaning will become our greatest praise. You see, glorification is all about the absence of sin. We don't really have a framework for that. Because we've never experienced the world without sin. But I want to read you something out of the book of Revelation that I think will help you understand what a world without sin looks like and how it may feel. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. I said I wasn't going to cry, so give me a minute. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Did you catch that? Death, mourning, crying, and pain. They all leave. Every single one of those things is a result of sin. The new world, the new earth, the new heaven, all of that. When we dwell with God in that place, God himself personally walks up, wipes the tears and says, it's over. Sin is gone. I'm so thankful for the fact. I'm so thankful for the fact that I have this hope. I haven't arrived yet, but God, you're still working. And until that day when you arrive, did you catch that? It's not about our arrival, people. It's about his. And when he arrives, when our champion arrives, none, absolutely zero, 
of the struggles and the battles we faced will matter because we will realize God from the beginning of declaring us acceptable has been our champion and he's been fighting for us. He never stopped fighting for us because he's making us righteous even now and he's already time stamped the day when he's going to obliterate Satan and all of the deceit and all of the sin and all of the brokenness in our life. That day's coming. And so today, let's stand and let's declare him as our champion and let's sing as if God has already broken every chain.